Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. One day there were two monks. They were walking through the countryside. They were on their way to another village to help bring in the crops. And as they were walking along the road, they saw this old woman sitting at the edge of a river. And she was distraught. She was upset because there was no bridge there to get her to the other side of the river. So she couldn't get across. And so the first monk kindly offered, he said, we will carry you across if you would like. And she said, that would be great, very cheerfully accepting their help. So the two men joined hands and they lifted her up and they carried her across the river. When they got to the other side of the river, they they set her down and she went on her way without a thank you or anything. After they had walked another mile, the second monk began to complain. He said, look at my clothes. Look how muddy I am from carrying that woman, that ungrateful woman, across that river. And my back hurts from lifting her. I, I, I can feel my body getting stiff. And the first monk just smiled at him and nodded his head. About four more miles down the road, the second monk griped again. He said, my back is still hurting, and and it is all because we had to carry that woman that didn't even thank us for carrying her across that river. I cannot go any farther because of the pain, and he then just collapsed down onto the ground. The first monk looked down at his partner as he was moaning on the ground. He said, have you wondered why I'm not complaining. Your back hurts because you are still carrying that woman. But I laid her down five miles ago. Man, what a lesson to learn. We carry burdens sometimes a whole lot longer than we are designed to carry them. I'm wanting you to know today that some of you today, I believe you are going to walk away from bitterness because you've been carrying that load for far too long. I want this message to be both heartbreaking and healing at the same time. Psalm 51 and 17 says, A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. There are moments when God needs to break our heart. And today, I'm hoping that that's it. I hope that for some of us, God breaks our hearts in order to heal us. Because there's two types of people in this room that need to be healed. The first is people who have been affected by someone else's bitterness. You've been victim to that long enough, and I want to help you get past that. And then there are people who have been affected by their own bitterness, by their own. You're holding on to it, and and, and you keep carrying that load. And God wants you to know today, he wants you to lay that down. Bitterness can arise in our lives when someone disagrees with us. Or when someone has hurt us. Bitterness can come forth when someone has hurt someone that we love. And bitterness can arise when we don't understand a cause, when we don't understand a movement, and we simply just don't understand why. Why? Why is this happening? Why, God? Why now? Why me? Why is this happening? And some of the greatest people I know with some of the greatest potential to be, to, to be such great men and women in the kingdom of God. Some of the greatest people that I know have been sidelined because of the bitterness that they have allowed to consume their hearts. They say it takes one to know one. 
And I know, because I know what bitterness did to me for over 15 years of my life. I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. As you're turning to Exodus 15, I want to kind of set this up. We're kind of at the beginning of the exodus of the the Israelites leaving slavery behind in Egypt and they're, they're heading towards their promised land. They've crossed the Red Sea. God has delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh. Drowned, he, he allowed Pharaoh's army to be drowned there so that he could not pursue the Israelites any longer. And so we pick it up as they are traveling through the wilderness at Exodus chapter 15. I'm going to start reading at verse 22. And I would ask that you would leave your Bibles open for most of this sermon to Exodus 15 because we're going to come back to a few scriptures here and there. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? They went three days. Three days without water. You ever been thirsty? You ever needed a drink really, really bad? I'm not talking about some of the drinks that some of you have. I'm talking about when you just need refreshment. You just need water. You need Gatorade. You need something to quench that thirst that you have. Because three days without water can lead to frustration. Just yesterday, my son was playing in a basketball tournament in Williston. And I don't know why, but for some reason, the, the Levy County school system, they do not put air conditioning in their gyms. Anybody attended or have children that attend Levy County schools? Yeah, yeah. What's wrong with you people? Why is there no AC? Why, I mean, in every gym, they will build a brand new school and they will build a brand new gymnasium and they will not put AC in it. Now listen, when it comes February, January, or January or February and it's cooler outside, it's not bad for basketball. But in the middle of summer ball yesterday, it was hot in that gym. I wasn't even playing and I'm working up a sweat on the sideline. Man, I'm telling you, it was hot, it was rough and, and, and I'm watching these boys play and, and, and they've got this big, you know, fan that they can kind of roll around and, and, and it's just sitting over there and in between games players would just go over there and just collapse in front of the floor and they're just drenched thinking this isn't even healthy by the time the third game came around I'm noticing that players are cramping up left and right players are cramping up because they're dehydrated they need water and and, and so then they start becoming frustrated with each other and I, I'm watching these intentional fouls and what happens in summer ball is they call fouls but they don't keep personal fouls because a player can't foul out and, and so what happens they just start hacking each other and they're pushing each other and they don't care anymore and they're so frustrated because the heat causes thirst and the thirst causes this frustration that takes place inside of them they couldn't drink enough Enough. And, and I'm telling you, by the end of that third game, they were just so, so frustrated. In the wilderness, the Israelites were thirsty and they became frustrated. They, they could not find fresh water for three days. And we all know that, that frustration that is undealt with in our lives, it can, it can lead to bitterness. It can. 
I'm being very transparent today. I have been a bitter person in my life. And the whole time I was telling people, no, I'm not bitter. But I was bitter. I was angry. I was harboring all these feelings in my life. The whole time declaring that I was justified in what I was doing. Think about the Israelites. Think about their situation. Their enemy was dead. God had delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh. They will not have to face him anymore. They will not have to face his army anymore. His army drowned in the Red Sea. But the bitter memories of Egyptian slavery was alive and well in their minds. They could not get past that. They could not move on beyond that, 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 that mindset of slavery. They'd been separated from their enemies, but God needed to remove the disease of bitterness from their hearts. And this is what happens in the believer's lives. We've been saved from sin. We are blood-bought. We are on our way to heaven, but our lives are so miserable sometimes because we have allowed bitterness to take root in our lives. Finally, the Israelites, they find water, much-needed water. They find it. And the Bible doesn't tell us who was the first to drink but somebody had to be the first. And, and, and I picture this in my mind because they're wandering through the wilderness, through the desert, and finally somebody sees water and I see this person. I picture this person running up to it and, and kneeling down, you know, cupping their hands together and they begin to drink and they take the first drink and then they shout out, don't drink, the water is bitter. Because bitter water in the wilderness was poisonous. And so they didn't want to... to to destroy the whole camp. They didn't want everybody to die. And so they, the word starts spreading fast. Don't drink the water. The water is bitter. You know, nothing dries the taste buds like the sour taste of bitterness. Nothing. I grew up going to a place called Waimama. Anybody know where Waimama, Florida is at? We're taking a lot of polls today. Yeah. How many of you like me? Oh, I shouldn't have asked. Now I'm bitter. <laughs> I grew up going to this place called Why Mama. It's just east of Tampa Bay. And um, it holds very many memories in my, in my life. Matter of fact, I've made the statement numerous times. It's been the only constant in my life for many, many years as a child because my dad was a pastor. And, and you know, sometimes we would move from church to church. And so, um, you know, there never was a, a real high school. You know, I went to two different high schools and, and I can't tell you which one I belonged to. I don't know which class I belonged to because I spent, you know, equal time at both high schools. And so I, I don't know. And, uh, but I do know that why mama is this constant in my life. It always has been. I've said that when my, when I die, I want my funeral at why mama. And it's a big, it's like a 4,000 seat building there and there's going to be like two people there. <laughs> and, but that's where I want it. I mean, that's, that's, that's where I want to be buried. I'm, I'm not buried. That's where I want my ashes scattered. But uh, why mama? Why mama? Youth camps. Camp meeting. You know, just, just this week coming up, this, this week, I'll be at why mama. My family and I will be at why mama for a, a minister's meeting, a convention down there. I'll be there all week. And there's so many memories around that place, but, but one of the memories that I will never, ever get over is that years ago, the water at Waimama was so bad that you could smell it when you pulled onto the campground. It had a sulfur stench to it. You ever been around that kind of water? It was so bad that you did not dare brush your teeth before going to the cafeteria for breakfast at youth camp. 
Because if you brushed your teeth with that water, you would lose your appetite. The smell, the bitterness of the water, it, it, it had the ability to ruin lunch for you just from the smell. Bitterness can do that to you. It can ruin your appetite for the truth of God's word. I have seen people that were hungry for God's word, but they allow bitterness to take root in their lives. And suddenly someone gets up and they start preaching a message like this. And you know what happens? They shun God's word because bitterness will do that to you. It will cause God's word uh, to not be appetizing to you anymore. It will cause you to want to run the other direction. But listen to me. Please listen to me. If God's word is speaking to you right now and you're you're feeling something going on, don't run from it. it. It's not condemnation coming from this stage. It's, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, God wants to do something in your life. He wants to change you. And I can sense it. I feel that there's people right now that are tuning me out because I don't understand your situation. I don't know your gripe. I don't know your pain. And, and, and it's simply this, you're comfortable in your bitterness. You're comfortable in your bitterness. It's become a part of your life. You cut that bitterness out, you're losing a part of you. And you're justified by that. Bitterness is a seed that can alter who you are in Christ. Hebrews 12 and 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. I love the challenge of caring for my lawn. Now, dude, I haven't always been like that. Man, you tell you, mowing the yard used to be a chore for me. Now it's, it's art to me. It really is. If you come by, there's no, I mean, I change directions on which way I mow it. Sometimes it's this way, sometimes it's this way, and sometimes it's vertical. When it's vertical, it looks good, too. Just letting you know. I take pride in it, man. I do. When I see parts of my yard starting to, to get brown, baking in the Florida sun, I'm that guy that walks out in the middle of the afternoon and turns on his sprinklers to make sure that all my sprinkler heads are covering the needed territory. I'm the guy that though I have a sprinkler system in my yard, I will at times pull out a, 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 an old-fashioned sprinkler just to water one area of my yard that looks a little bit brown doesn't match the rest of it. I'm t I've got a sickness. It's, it's weird. It's weird. And I pay a service to come out and spray my yard for weeds. I do. Maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Don't judge me, but I, I do. I, I, I pay them. I, pay, I negotiate them down. I work them down because I'm cheapskate too, man. I am. But I do. I pay a service. And I noticed last year that there were weeds in my yard that were starting to spread. And I'm working hard to try and get my, my yard looking good and healthy. I, I'm, I'm working real hard. And, and so they come out and they spray. And, and here's what I noticed. All of a sudden, the yard was green, but so were the weeds. Everything, they, they told me, they said, you need to water your yard more. So I watered my yard more. And what happened? The weeds were getting bigger. They were getting stronger and they were taking over. And I'm getting very frustrated. And I called the company. And I said, listen, it's not working. Whatever you're doing is not working. They came out three or four more times. And I'm still complaining. And, and, and if you know me, I don't complain about customer service. That's just not it. But if I'm paying for my yard to be weed free and you're causing more reeds, weeds to come forth, then we need to talk about this. And, and so finally, a manager calls me and he says, oh, you've got this type of weed 
seed and, and they have outlawed that. No longer can we use the chemical that will kill that weed. And I was like, really? We've been going through this this long and, and you're just now telling me this? So I canceled the service. I did. Because I was, I was figuring out some things that when you're not taking care of the root of the problem and you continue to water it, it will get stronger. It will grow. And that's what we have to be careful of because the root of bitterness, we can feed it and it can spring up and it can cause trouble. And by it, many become defiled is what the Bible says. Ephesians 4 and 31 says, let all bitterness and wrath and rage and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That list of things there that, that God wants us to eliminate from our lives, but he starts it with bitterness. Let bitterness, let it be put away from you. This verse alone explains how the seed of bitterness grows into sin in our lives if we're not careful. Because if you don't deal with the seeds of bitterness in your life, they will take root and they will overtake your life. I eventually canceled that lawn service, called a new company. They knew exactly what to apply to my lawn to get rid of the weeds. And I'm telling you, I am really, really, really enjoying my new lawn service. I'm not going to give them a plug today. They're not paying me a dime. But if you want to see me after service, I'll be glad to tell you that it's messy. But I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you that's who I use. God knew exactly what the Israelites needed. He knew exactly. If there's bitterness that's taking root in your life, he knows exactly what you need. And for some of you, it's this message today. Verse 24. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Church, it wasn't mere chance that God led them to murky, poisoned waters. But let me tell you something. They were not there to find water. They were not there to find high-quality H2O. That's not why they were there. They were there to find a tree. They were there to find a log. That's why they were there. The tree was a foreshadowing of the tree on which a Savior would hang thousands of years later. Because when you throw the tree, when you throw the cross into the mix, it has the ability to change everything, including your bitterness. The power of the cross is expressed in our ability to not only receive grace and receive mercy, but it's also there, the power of the cross, it allows us to display grace and to display mercy. That's the power of the cross. And sometimes we negate the power of the cross when we're not willing to offer mercy and grace into people's lives. Because the cross is a symbol of forgiveness and the only cure for bitterness is forgiveness. That's it, trust me. I went 15 plus years trying to hold on and justify why I was bitter. And nothing fixed it except forgiveness. 
I want you to listen to the rest of the passage of Ephesians 4, 31, and now verse 32. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Listen to what he's saying. Paul is saying, there are things that are troubling your heart right now. There are people who have done you wrong. And in order for you to get rid of that bitterness and that wrath and that anger, in order for you to get rid of all of that, you have have to be kind to that person. You have to be tenderhearted. You have to forgive as God in Christ forgave you. Ezekiel 36 and 20, 26 says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's what we need. We need. You see, there's too many people right now that they don't want to be vulnerable anymore. That's it. They just don't want to be vulnerable. I want my hardened heart and I don't want anybody to mess with me. But God is calling us to be vulnerable, to lay it out there. Because the only way that people see the cross of Christ and receive grace and mercy from it is when we become vulnerable with ourselves and vulnerable to others. The ally of bitterness is justification. And there's way too many people that try and justify why they're bitter. Many people go through life justifying it. Someone has wronged them or life has treated them unfairly and they have created a mindset that it's okay for them to be upset. Listen to me. Everybody look at me. Everybody listen. We're all on level playing field here. We're all standing at the foot of the cross and it is not okay for you to be upset. If you're upset and you're not able to offer mercy and you're not able to offer grace, then there is a heart problem and I've been there plenty of times in my own life and it is up to you to find that grace and that forgiveness to extend to somebody else. It's one of the hardest things you're ever going to have to do though. And what I love about God is that God does not allow us to stay at a place of bitterness God will test you. It's one of those words that I hate. I hate it. I hate it. I hate that it's in the Bible. But I'm so thankful because it's what helps me grow. Listen to verse 25. Exodus 15, verse 25. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them. Man, that word. Tested. There at that place, God tested them. James 1, verses 3 and 4 says, You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, uh, or finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God tests us. He puts obstacles in our path. He puts moments, conditions, and, and, and just situations there because he wants to test us because it's that testing that produces perseverance, and it's only through that that we become mature. It's only through that that we become complete. And so whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever bitterness that you're having to work through right now, it's there for a reason because God said, I want to grow you and mature you beyond that point. There the Lord God made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam 
where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. And what a place. Now, when you work through that bitterness, that grumbling, that complaining, that hatred, when you work through it, God says, I will lead you to springs. I will lead you to fresh water. And man, it's just, it's just an overwhelming feeling when you realize that when you get that right, God blesses you on the other side of it. You see, the difficulties of life are intended to make us better, not bitter. They're there for a purpose, to mature us, to make us better, not bitter. And God often allows us to stumble upon bitter waters to test us and to mature us. And that's exactly what he did with my life. I'm not going to go through all the details. I've, I've shared it more recently than, than I've ever been able to in years past. But the best man in my wedding, the youth pastor that helped me recognize the call on my life to ministry, did some things to me and to my family that were absolutely devastating. And listen, for those of you that you were not raised in a pastor's home, you were not raised in the world that surrounds the church, you will never understand the pain. Bottom line, behind my dad, the pastor, behind his back, a church was started by this individual and it split my dad's church in half. In literally one week's time, the church went from 450 to 225 in one week, split the church in half. My dad had worked his whole career to get to that place bitterness people were telling me don't become bitter don't become bitter but man I had family members around me and, and I, I have never been able to admit this but I'm going to tell you this today I had family members around me that were just as bitter or more bitter than I was and and, and bitterness loves company because when you're around people who are bitter they will help you justify your bitterness and I, I was thinking that I was right. And I'll never forget, it was probably 1997, 1998, I was a youth pastor, and, and me and three other youth pastors were heading up to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for a big national youth leaders convention. Everything was great, it was a wonderful weekend. We were, we were in the front car, in the lead car, I'm driving, our wives are behind us so they can fellowship together, and, and so they're right behind us on the interstate. And we're coming down, down 95, coming down through the, uh, on the east coast of Georgia there, coming back from the conference. And, and we're having conversations about the different speakers that we heard. And one of the youth pastors in the back seat, he said something that, that stood out. And here's what he said. He said, you know, what I see, the, the problem with ministers that I see today is pride. And man, I was right there with him. I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right, man. Right home, man. That's good stuff right there. Pride. And then he says this. He said, take your situation, for instance. I'm driving. And I look up in the rearview mirror and make eye contact. And he says, this gentleman that you are so hard at, the guy that started a church and ripped your dad's church, the guy that was the best man at your wedding, your, your youth pastor when you were growing up, that guy right there that hurt you so bad, he says, pride keeps you from doing what you need to do. And he said, I think you need to go to his office and wash his feet. When he said that, 
this rage came over me. Immediately, I swerved off of the road. By the grace of God, there was an exit ramp there somewhere around Savannah, Georgia. We went flying off this, this ramp, off of the interstate. Our wives are swerving to keep up with us. I find the first business I can pull into, which was an ice cream shop. I go power sliding up into that. I get out of the car. I slam the door. I'm walking inside. His wife gets out of the car, looks at the other youth pastors and says, what did my husband do to tick him off? <laughs> I go inside in this little ice cream shop. I find a table in the corner and I won't even sit with everybody else. How dare him? He has not been through what I have been through. He doesn't know the tears that, that I've cried. He doesn't know the friendships that were severed. He does not know how bad the pain has been. How dare him? Who is he to tell me that I need to go wash that guy's feet? And I sit right there in that coffee shop, or that ice cream shop, rather, just sulking. I didn't even want my wife to sit with me. It's a long ride home, long ride home. And for 15 years, I was justified in my bitterness until last year. And when God spoke to my heart and said, take that guy that hurt you, your former youth pastor, the best man in your wedding take him to lunch I had not talked to this guy in that many years I had to prepare myself because I wanted him to say all the right things I wanted him to say I'm sorry I wanted him to say I was wrong I wanted him to say all that kind of stuff but God prepared me ahead of time and said you don't need all that this is about you not him and we sat down we had a conversation. We talked about ministry. We hugged each other. And that's the last time I saw him face to face. My dad was in the hospital recently. And I guess he heard through the grapevine. That guy that I hated sent me a text. He said, I'm praying for your dad. It takes one to know one. And I have spent more years than I want to admit being bitter. I'm not justified by that anymore. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.